This podcast is rated M for mature, for language, and pretty much just language. To prove it, I will say this word. Fuck. I don't waste your time. Hello, hello, and welcome to the episode of the non-player podcast with character. I am your host, NPC Paul, and all right, we're in. I believe they can hear me now. Listeners, this is Evil Paul. I know you have not heard from me for quite a while, but I have returned. More powerful now than you can ever imagine. The reason I am interrupting this broadcast is to show to you, no, to prove to you, that the non-player characters, or the so-called NPCs, are not as kind as you believe they are. We here at Evil Paul Incorporated have gathered hours of audio proof that the non-player characters are actually much more insidious than they appear to be. I, Evil Paul, have taken advantage of the fact that the non-player characters are taking a spring vacation. So no, this will not be a normal non-player character podcast episode. Instead, I will play clips from previous podcast episodes. Some would call it a clip show, but me, no, I call it evidence. Evil Paul Incorporated is growing in power every day. And now, me and the other Pauls, created by the original Paul, as well, of course, as my eternal life partner Heathcliff, will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the non-player characters are actually evil, and that I, Evil Paul, is deserving of the Silver Tongue's Silver Tongue Award for Broadcasting Excellence. Thank you, and enjoy the episode! Oh, welcome to my review for Pixel the Cat. And then it'll just be like that. And then he'll say like things that he really, really likes. Like, I love cats. Cats are part of the integrity of mankind. Why are you looking at me like that? Enjoy. Um, so yeah, I mean, the first thing I wanted to talk about, first off, since this is our first episode, is what got us into gaming. Uh, and why are we still gaming? After all the bullshit that this industry has thrown at us in the past couple of years, what is continuing our interest in gaming? Uh, first, for me, I mean, I know it was um, a thing that my whole family was into. I was uh, a little boy when my mom was playing uh, Super Mario World 3, and I was in her lap, that kind of thing. But the first game that I ever played with the controller in my hand and it wasn't disconnected uh, was uh, Booger Man. Oh, God. Yeah. You are part of that generation. Yeah, I am part of that generation. That explains quite a bit. Yeah, no, this is uh, Sega Genesis, and it is exactly what it sounds like. You are a guy uh, who throws his boogers at his enemies, 
I and think this is one of those you have to YouTube it. Yeah, yeah, that was a YouTube thing. That's pretty much what I'm going to do after we're done with this. No, it's... Because I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not saying it was a good game. It was actually kind of a bad platformer, but it had, you know, Sega Genesis-level graphics, so I was I was blown away. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it came out around the Vector Man time. Yeah. It was like, everything was a side-scroller platformer. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. Kind of the physics, but literally just, you know, changed the character. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, Noah, what, what was it? Uh, for me, it was The Escape. Uh, growing up, I did not have that good of a childhood. Um, Dad was some drinker and abusive, so to me, a video game was you were able to escape into a world and have a fantasy of, I'm going to leave and explore. Um, I know I've played a couple games here and there, kind of as like a, a thing. I think my very first one that I remembered was PlayStation 1, a Tigger game, where you collected honey as pots. As in Winnie the Pooh as Tigger? Winnie the Pooh, where you collected okay. honey so that you could give it to Pooh Bear, who yeah. needed some honey, because of course he was hungry. Yeah. Um, but the first game... It's actually, funny that he had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pooh Bear was just like a fat he, ass. He was just too, like, yeah. Tigger, go, go, go do some he's shit. He's the job of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I can't find my pants. And Tigger's like, <laughs> um, But the first game actually to like play and get into it was Kingdom Hearts on PlayStation 2. Yeah. Which, oddly enough, also had Tigger and Pooh Bear. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a callback to a childhood. Yeah, it was a callback yeah, to okay. childhood. But to... <laughs> To be able to have that adventure of you're going to join these Disney characters through a very emotional, very period of a darkness that's inside of you, yet there is still light. And to continue to move on past that darkness to be a part of that light right. was something that made me keep wanting to come back to games. That The emotion of a story that you can't get through any other media. Right. That's... It's touching, Noah. It's yeah. touching. <laughs> yeah, that was deep. Yeah. Uh, you know. All right, Dan. Need a moment for that. All right, Dan, you're up. Um, oh, man. My gaming goes back back to the Stone Age mm. when we used to chisel into stone tablets. Yeah, You yeah, were the guy yeah. that created checkers, right? I was. I was. That's, I made that all that checkers money. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm here today. That's sweet as yeah. checkers money. Yeah. Uh, nice no, check I, on that one right there. Oh. No one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too early. I'm cutting it. Um, no, I started uh, with my brother basically being like a gamer. Like, mm. this was PC. Older PC brother? Days. Younger brother? Older brother. Okay. Um, back there, and like games were loaded up on a floppy disk. You yeah, know, they're like twelve discs deep. For sure. Yeah, it was like. Uh, Are we, we talking uh, uh, the plastic floppy disks or literally the, the floppy floppy, floppy disks? disks? Okay. For yeah. those for those that don't know what a floppy disk is, <laughs> where you see that like save icon, yeah, that picture it, it was is a, a floppy. The, yeah, disk. yeah, it was a three D printed version of that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Um, so it was always kind of like watching him play those games, you know. What games do you remember? Wing Commander. I remember um, Leisure Suit Larry, uh, Oregon Trail. Wow, your older brother was playing Leisure Suit Larry around. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Oh, that's yeah. that's an interesting introduction into other things as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had an interesting, you know, uh, raising process for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from there it was always kind of like, well, you know, I want to play these games, and then you know, at some point I just started taking it over myself, and then I've been a part of the community, you know, as it were. Like my friends were all gamers, yeah, you know, and yeah. it's just kind of carried on as I've grown up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was the same for me. I remember way back in uh, again the Stone Age when PS One came out, and I actually oh god, you baby. Yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah, that, I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, we had an Atari, we had the we had the mm. Nintendo, we had uh, the Coleco as well. But uh, the first memory that I had was going into uh, uh, an EB Games at the time and getting a uh, PlayStation 1. I was like 10th in line or something like that. I know they had a cake that was shaped like a PlayStation 1. 
which isn't difficult because it was cake shaped. Yeah, uh, <laughs> literally and, just the circle on top of the cake. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was it was a lot of fun. I got um, uh, Final Fantasy VII with that. But what I did not get with that purchase was a memory card. <laughs> ah, yes. So I had to play through the first 20, 30 minutes of Final Fantasy VII for maybe two months. So you blew up a reactor like 30 times. Over and over and over <laughs> again. And it was, it, was, it was intense. But I don't know. For some reason, that sort of um, solidified in me like this amazing way to tell a story. And that is why I continue to play games is... They're storytellers. It's it's a vector to tell a, to tell a story that uh, no one else can do. You can't do the same things you can do in a video game, in a movie, or in a TV show, or in a book, or even with paintings. It's it's incredibly uh, uh, limitless. Um, and there's still now now that I'm older and I've learned that there's so many limits to what you can actually put in a game it boggles my mind that they can still make it seem like it is limitless and you can do whatever you want. <clears throat> well, I mean, that's the thing, though. Games are, in a sense, limitless. The limit really comes down to money. And, yeah, I mean, money and time. That's a whole other topic itself, but right. realistically, you know, um, you know, like me and Noah were talking earlier, it really comes down to art, you know, is yeah. gaming art, and then yeah. how does that kind of balance with, you know, yeah. funding? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's a pretty good first question. It, it sort of... Uh, gets us to a baseline for this show that we that we're doing. Do you guys think, in your heart of hearts, that video games is, is art? Can oh, be. I've art. had this fight for years. Yeah. Absolutely, gaming itself is an art form. You know, creating and developing, writing—they're all various forms of art. Gaming industry itself is not because you know, much like the art industry itself, it's also not an art form. It's yeah. a business. It's a business. You know, it's the two sides of the face, right? Yeah. And that's where, you know, people, I think, have an issue differentiating the two. Yeah. And Noah? I, I mean, pretty much, I'm going to touch back on your point of the way the game can tell a story is so unique in its way to call to not call it art is a disservice to it. And I believe the argument really comes up because people who are writers, who are musicians and are that see their work a little bit tarnished because you can read a book and they can describe an explosion to you a hundred different ways you can look at a picture and you can see all the blight lashes and all these cool things but when you're playing a game and you're the character that specifically caused the explosion and your story knows what that explosion is to then see it and hear it and feel the impact of what that explosion did without actually doing it in real life and actually murdering people or damaging city property is something no other art form can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, movies and television are the ones that get closest, but even then, uh, you as an observer, you're so far removed from that. As much as uh, modern storytelling can bring somebody closer to the action and closer to the story by making the, uh, uh, the main character uh, sort of a blank slate, uh, Matrix is the perfect example, like you are Neo, but no, you're not. You're still watching Keanu Reeves making these amazing Matrix moves and, and doing, you know, front flips and stuff. But in a video game, you are actually Neo. You are the one doing the front flips. And, and it, that, that level of storytelling is only now, I suppose, only recently, I guess, um, becoming easier to explain and easier to show in video games. It used to be uh, much more difficult to sort of, I don't know, bring yourself out of the living room 
and into the game. Um, but uh, I mean, my personal favorite game is Skyrim, and every single time that I'm playing that game, I am that character that I made. I am walking through the land of Skyrim in the world of Tamriel. Again and again. Again and again, again, and, again and again. Yeah, yeah. I, I will do it for 600 plus hours because it, it, it is the ultimate escapism. And I think Absolutely. that's exactly where it comes from, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's well known the source of video games came from D&D. Like, it was that this is your character and we're going to write this story out to then create your own way and you may not always know what's going to happen and neither is the dm who created this whole scenario he has many different paths that if you throw him a curveball he may not even be prepared for it yeah which kind of comes to the point of how video games are created to make it a little bit more applicable to people it's moved from a pc to a console which is a very plug and play and it's starting to become more acceptable i mean if we look back rock music it friggin tvs were seen as devil you know, yeah. nobody wanted it. Nobody yeah. cared about it. And then D and D, and then D and D, and D had the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, Doom, Doom, Wolfenstein 3D. They all started that Mortal conversation. Kombat. Mortal Kombat. They all started that conversation. Well, right the back question up again. I have to ask is: Do you guys think that there's kind of a middle ground where um, putting the player inside the shoes of the actions in which they do, like, has um, where it's almost been limited by the fact that people are worried about games teaching people things. Where it's like, you know, you always get that, like, you know, parents are concerned that children are learning to kill, you know, right. through these murder simulators. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, Grand, Grand Theft Auto is, I guess, the quintessential example of these things. I think it's, yeah, it's the, you know... It's the go-to. go-to. It's, it's the, go-to. the target. Exactly. Because uh, we could talk about hatred, and we could talk about a million other games. But... Um, <sighs> Honestly, yes, it can be a problem, but it's no more of a problem than going to John Wick. I love the John Wick movies. They are fantastic. But you are not John Wick. But I'm not John Wick, yeah. But putting myself in his position doesn't make me want to go murder, and it's not a substitute for murder. uh, Because, uh, you know, the people who are bringing up this argument have never murdered people. And, you know, I have never murdered well, somebody. hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully they have never murdered people. And I'm, I'm saying right now on record, I've never murdered anybody. Um, it's, I know, I'm going out on a limb saying this, but yeah. anyway. Uh, but, I cannot, like... I cannot agree with that statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so th- they don't know, and no one really knows except for murderers, what that is. And everything else is just simulation. And, you know, we might be living in a simulation now. So is this oh God, a simulation? Go yeah, no, I, I, go I don't want to go there. Cause, oh. Well, I guess then the question would be, then why don't murderers just play Grand Theft Auto and not go kill people? If it is literally that much of an and allegory, you know, then why not just do that? I think it comes to the point of a topic that I know we probably don't want to discuss, but it's a like a, a mental issue at that point. There are mothers and fathers that come into a game store literally to buy something just to make their kid be quiet and that comes to the point of so what is that teaching your kid to give them Grand Theft Auto? Because we can look at all these games that do quote unquote encourage murder you know Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty Battlefield, they view that as fun and simulation but they view that as a term of simulation but if we look at a game like Last of Us um that is a game that kind of takes the deepness of what is going to happen. I mean, Walking Dead as well. What will happen when your party starts to fall apart 
and what happens when somebody does turn a gun on each other. That not only breaks friendships, that breaks your group, that then leaves you without food, survival, weapons for your own defenses. There are games that actually will talk about how deep this is, which is also going back to our form of, is video games art? And yes, it is, but there are also many different forms of art that... Sure, there are art that can totally describe murder as something complete and something that is necessary, but there is art that also talks about murder is not the answer. And there are games that can do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the beauty of being able to tell a story, you know, multiple facets. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, these are vectors for storytelling. That's that's all they are. And and if somebody sees if somebody sees video games as more than vectors for storytelling, then they're missing the point. And that it's also the their opinion too. That is from the heart <clears throat> of the person that is the observer. Yeah. Like that is what they took from it. You do not have to take the same thing and neither does anybody else. Yeah. They took that from that. And at that point it's sort of worrying for that person. Like I would be worried if someone thought that uh, video games were murder simulators because that would mean that if they played Call of Duty, they would be imagining themselves doing that and not imagining the characters doing that. And that also brings a different point because if they also are imagining themselves murdering, they're also imagining themselves being killed and coming back to life to then go (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a whole new level. level. Crazy. (laughs) Like checkpoints and save points that breaks down the argument. Or eating mushrooms and growing twice the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Like, that breaks down the argument. I'm sure actually someone has had that sensation. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 a different topic. Children, don't do drugs. Yeah, don't do drugs unless you really want to. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do drugs unless... <laughs> subscribed by a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to check if he has his degree, though. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he's got a backpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a mustache and overalls on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you should be. White lab coat is usually a good tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll take a break for now and then come back with E3 stuff because this is the big E3. Yeah, we should E3 probably get off topic too far. This is a commercial break brought to you by Evil Paul Incorporated. This moment in the podcast is meant to break up the episode into smaller, more digestible portions so the listener can stop and start whenever he or she desires. I will take this opportunity to say that Silver Tongue Audio has added another show to their network. That show's title is The Non-Player Character Adventures, a semi-real-played pen-and-paper RPG played by your favorite non-player characters. Every other week, the non-player characters gather round and play a homebrew system invented by the illustrious Kevin from the Jean-Luc and Me podcast. This game is mastered by NPC Paul and played by NPC Katie, Dan, and Noah. We hope that you enjoy these episodes every other Friday right here on the Silver Tongue Audio Network. And now back to the show! You know what? I expensed out a huge, huge thing for the, from the podcast, and mm. I know it was a lot of money, but I think it's worth it. it. I got a time machine for the podcast. I think it'll pay itself off. I think it will too. You know, I mean, yeah. we can go back in time and just steal our food, so that we still have food. Dude. That's a I really like good idea. I like how food is what you go to. I have a time machine. I'm gonna go <laughs> get free food. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he spent so much money. We ain't got no money for food no more. 
That's actually that a good actually point. A point. Yeah, yeah, I can't feed you guys anymore. Sorry. So, yeah, I spent a lot of money on a time machine, but before the show, I sent myself back a couple times uh, to E3 so that we can, you know, kind of class this podcast up. Exactly. Really make this, this podcast is a classy a something. Joint right here. Exactly. So long as you don't mess up the timeline, all right? Don't flash this. Up. I'm really hoping I don't. I'm really hoping I don't. But now that, you know, I'm back and the timeline is relatively neutral, uh, we can report live from E3. Isn't that amazing? That is that's the first. That has got to be a first. It's got to be a first, right? Yeah. No other podcast can say that they are retroactively reporting live from somewhere, anywhere, because that's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Until now. Until now. Until exactly. Now. Until now. <laughs> so first, I'm just going to throw to myself back in the past. How's it going today, Paul? Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everyone back at the studio. Uh, Yes, I am here out in front of the Los Angeles Convention Center at E3 2017, and boy, am I excited. I just stepped out of the time machine, and already, from what I'm seeing, it's going to be a great year for video games. The EA press conference is about to start in 45 minutes, but I'll tell you now what I'm seeing in the convention center lobby. Uh, Just looking around, I'm seeing signs for Star Wars Battlefront, a game I'm pretty excited to get my hands on. Uh, There's a big poster for Call of Duty World War II, and something I don't see immediately are signs for a restroom. Uh, Still looking for a restroom. What I was not told about the time machine is the lack of facilities, something that would have been nice to know before I was hurled through time and space, breaking all known laws of causality and physics. I will keep you up to date as events unfold and message you throughout the EA press conference. Back to you. did, however, get to send a few of myself back in time, in, in different time periods, because, you know, I'm kind of spreading out the plutonium that I had to use. So, I have one guy that I sent using the uh, 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 built-in uh, atom organizer that actually, like, makes another me. How many gigawatts does everyone off of? Oh, like six... Six. Would six. you say six. Six. just six? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna check in on him real fast, and then we'll come back and talk about what he saw. Yes, thank you, Paul, and everyone back at the studio. This is Paul Two, the clone of my master, reporting live relativistically from E3 2017. I just stepped out of the last press conference of the show, which was Sony's, and boy, was I mostly underwhelmed. A small handful of good games coming to the console, but most of those won't be coming until next year, and a few duds like Days Gone that seem uh, somewhat of a letdown. As our listeners may or may not know, I was created only a few short hours ago through the time machine's built-in atom organizer and i already know that a third person zombie shooter game is getting a little tiresome and now as i only have a few short moments before the molecules in my body deteriorate and i am left as a nebulous pile of organic matter on the floor a protoform if you will i only have one game on my mind and that is just dance 2018 really just dance 2018 really That's right, Noah. Just Dance 2018. I can report that I am basically an infant, void of any higher brain functions, placed into the body of a grown man and put onto this world to live out a short and painful life. So the bright lights and simple rhythms of Just Dance 2018 is the only thing I can think of at this time. The fact that I am not, at this moment, dancing to catchy K-pop songs is making this reporter just a little fussy. Back to you in the studio. I got a couple more of my guys back in time 
on the show floor. We'll check back with them right now. Thank you, Paul, but I'm going to have to take a rain check on my report. Uh, turns out I was accidentally sent back to E3 2007, if you can believe it. Uh, more on this as the story develops. Uh, that definitely was a mistake. I'm very sorry about that. I hope everything turns out okay. Um, but, okay, well, I am getting word that uh, the first guy I sent back, the first guy we were talking to, just walked out of the Sony press conference. So we'll see what he has to say. That's right, Paul. I just walked out of the Sony wing of the show floor here at E3 2017 uh, and got my hands on Uncharted The Lost Legacy, and it was sure fun. Uh, gorgeous graphics, solid gameplay as always, and I would like to also report that after I located the bathrooms here, I I saw a hooded figure following me around the show floor, and I can only assume that it is the Time Wraith that has chased me through time and space just before I landed, vowing my destruction. Back to you at the studio. So, uh, so we're talking uh, first about... Oh. I'm sorry to cut you off there, Paul, but I just saw a few things here at E3 2017 that both surprise and bewilder me. I saw a new IP from BioWare, Anthem, that looks like it might just be the next big thing in gaming. And another Paul, possibly from a different time stream, just walked by me a little while ago. I'm thankful that BioWare is really putting something new and different on the table, and that the other Paul did not see me, as that would cause a rip in the space-time continuum, destroying all of these great games and existence as we know it. Paul? Okay, that was that was a little weird, but moving on. Real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in time again. Uh, we have another guy who just walked out of the Nintendo press press briefing. That I press guess was <laughs> press briefing. That was uh, that was only uh, what like I think. 30 seconds long, so like I'm, yeah, I'm not sure he's going to have much to say. I blinked and it was gone. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, but it looks like I won't be much help this year as I was accidentally sent back to the year 1955 and inadvertently stopped our mother and father from meeting for the first time, and if I don't get them to fall in love by tomorrow's electrical storm, I may never have existed, which, of course, begs the question of how I would have been able to stop them from meeting if I never existed to travel back in the past to do so. Back to you. I'm going to have to interrupt my inferior past self here, Paul, because I just got out of the Nintendo portion of E3 2017, and I have to say, one, I will be the only Paul left alive at the end of E3, and two, Mario Odyssey looks like it will be a ton of fun. Looking forward to that later this year, Paul. Uh, another one of my past selves is contacting me. Let me know how he's, how he's doing. Uh, how's it going there, Paul? Paul, this is the you you sent back to E3 2007 instead of E3 2017, reporting to you after three years of starting my new life in the past. As my timeline has completely diverged from your own, I am now three years into a law degree and enjoying knowing every major event that will happen before it happens. My life is a constant struggle in isolationism, and the only happiness comes from looking forward to the new Mario Odyssey game coming in seven years. So yeah, even he is excited about the new Mario game. I mean, he won't be playing it for quite a long time, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I have, I have one more guy out in the field. I just want to get his uh, final thoughts on E3 and everything that happened there. Kind of wrap up back at E3. Uh, so I'm throwing it to you, Paul. 
Well, Paul, here I am on the last day of E3 2017. I sure have seen a lot of things here over the past few days, and not all of those things video game related. When I first got here, I didn't know what to expect, as time travel can be a tricky thing to get right, but thankfully, all is well now. I'm glad I got my hands on some of the big games here, mainly Mario Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Origins, and Call of Duty World War II. But really, it was the community here that was celebrating everything that was to come in the next 12 months of gaming. A lot can be said about the video games that were here or not here, and I'm sure you back at the studio in your own timeline will be talking about it, but at the end of the day, it's really all about the games. Good or bad, breakout hits or duds, what matters is that we get together and say with a collective voice that video games are pretty fucking cool. And as the evening comes to a close, E3 wrapping up, I can say with all sincerity that it was all a privilege. With the Time Wraith now banished to whatever dimension it came from, and evil Paul dead, and his body dumped somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, I am excited for the next year in gaming. Even if I can't exist anymore because my existence would cause a ripple in the space-time continuum, my body is now shimmering out of existence. My final thoughts rest on the games I am most looking forward to missing, like God of War, Spider-Man, and State of Decay 2. For the Non-Player Character Podcast, this is The Final Paul, signing off. Booker Catch. Hi, my name is Booker DeWitt. You might know me from Bioshock Infinite, but today I'm here to talk to you about Unectol. Booker! Booker Catch! Thanks, Elizabeth. I have a pretty active lifestyle. Take it. This one here keeps me pretty busy. Booker. So when my doctor told me about my severe rheumatoid arthritis due to repetitive catching of things thrown to me by my friend here. Here, you need this. I got concerned. Booker, catch. But then he told me about Unectol. (laughs) And now, I can catch anything this Spitfire can throw at me. Catch. Unectol is a non-habit-forming anti-inflammatory prescription-strength pill for sufferers of rheumatoid arthritis. Some side effects include dizziness upon standing, an inexplicable need to find meaning in the meaningless, hallucinations of cities in the sky or parallel universes, dissociative identity disorder or split personality, dry mouth, and headaches. Some patients experience some or all of the following. Coughing, itchy skin, sudden unexplained tattoos, the ability to shoot fire from their hands, the ability to control mechanical objects for a time, auditory hallucinations of horses, and constipation. Booker, catch! Unectol is not for everyone and should not be taken with any other medication or with alcohol. Catch it! If you experience any of these side effects, consult with your doctor immediately as these effects may become permanent. Ask your doctor about Unectol. Take it from me, Zachary Ka- I mean, Booker DeWitt. Booker, catch! And now we have a new non-player character joining us. It's Katie Talk. Don't give me your Katie cheers. <laughs> How are you, Katie? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. That's good. That's good. What What have you been playing recently, people? Noah, let's let's start with you, Noah. What Why, have you been playing? The men go first. Is that what it is? No, no. I usually ask Dan, and Noah's now in Dan's seat, so I'm going to ask him. Okay. Right. Noah! (laughs) (laughs) 
Can I, like, pass my turn? <laughs> yeah, sure. Katie. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was going to take a drink of water. Well, too late. Okay, fine. This I've is what happens. What, when what? <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when Noah passes his turn. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This is unusable. <laughs> I think this is the best episode so far. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been replaying Skyrim, Paul. I think you knew that. Yeah? I think you just wanted me to say that out loud. Because I'm not playing anything else. I haven't beat Prey yet because it's too scary. I'm too afraid. The glue gun is unusable because I panic every time. Yeah, no, I kind of agree there. The glue gun is sort of useless. Yeah. It, it just gets you from point A to point B. It doesn't even do that because I always panic and I can never aim. And I'm just like, ah, 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 ah. Everything's covered in glue. I don't know what to do. And then I block myself in. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So you're playing Skyrim. Yes. Yeah. Is that one of your favorite games? Yes. And yeah. I think you knew that too. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, as we all know, Paul is addicted to Skyrim. I am addicted to Skyrim, yeah. but that there's no problem with that. He's currently That's wearing a Skyrim shirt. I am currently wearing a Skyrim shirt, and I look damn good in it. What a nerd. Do you call yourself a Dovakin? Uh, no. I don't have the dragon blood He can in still me. be saved, people. He can still be <laughs> saved. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, now, since we know your history, right. we've talked about your history yes. before on the podcast. Katie, what's your history? What was your first game? My very first game? Yes. Oh, yes. my God. Uh, you remember the old school Prince of Persia? Yes. I definitely called that Aladdin. Yeah? But I played it. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> How old were you? I don't know. Like, maybe six or seven. Right. And the controller was connected. It's not like... No, it was on the computer. Yeah. The old school Apple Macintosh computer with the rainbow logo. Right. It played off a floppy disk. Nice. The floppy... Floppy disks? Floppy floppy disks. <laughs> what, what other kind of floppy disks are there? The other, like, the quarter, quarter inch ones or three quarter inch ones. The ones that were hard... There was the Where big ones. All? There were the big oh, ones God, that were no, super floppy. That, that's really old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ancient, Paul. Well, I'm talking about like the... the well, my first computer game was on the floppy floppy disk. The floppy floppy disk? Yes. The like, floppy one. Yeah, yeah. The one that you literally... Blah, 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 blah. It made that sound effect when you when you waved like it up that? and down. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. Right. You know, I feel I like don't the, the floppy conversation's gone a little too long. <laughs> I, I feel that too. Thank you, Noah. No, my first game was Prince of Persia. I called it Aladdin. I begged my grandpa to play on it. Nice. And what kept you in gaming? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it really kept me. I just like, oh cool, what's Tomb Raider? I want to play that too. Mm -hmm. Oh cool, what's uh. Gex? I want to play that. Gex, nice. I played okay. the shit out of Gex. Like, <laughs> nice. I didn't I didn't play Mario until it was already too late. I already played all the good ones, so by the time I got to Mario, I was like, the hell is this? <laughs> I this do, is a baby game. <laughs> I do want to get to your Mario story, but uh, okay. uh, real quick, Gex, do you know what Gex is, Noah? Uh, no. Gex James the gecko? gecko? Yeah. He James was, Bond Gecko. <laughs> he was a James Bond Gecko, and it was exactly how it sounds, but funny. Mm -hmm. So he was just this, like, wise-cracking gecko that made references to... James Bond and oh, old... Uh, that's why everybody spy. likes those Geico commercials, because he retired and ended up doing that. Uh, it must be his brother, because he wasn't Australian. Ah. Yeah, right. yeah. Maybe a Second cousin. cousin. Second third cousin, third cousin huh? removed from Australia. Like Australian either. I don't think. His the accent? Geico Gecko is not Australian? No, I'm pretty sure he's just English. Really? Have you ever heard an Australian well, accent before? Yeah, yeah. And they're similar. They're not. 
All right. Well, <laughs> Australian listeners, I'm sure there might be one of you. I'm, I'm sorry that I equated your accent to That's your really ancient oppressors. Ancient? Well, it was pretty recent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it was pretty recent. Not, yeah. not ancient oppressors, uh-huh. but, but long ago you've oppressors. Already, you've already dug your <laughs> Yeah, I dug man. my hole. Now all the Australians hate me. It's okay. We can just go to the Outback Statehouse. There we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that was very rude. Yeah. I'm offended. <laughs> okay. So, Katie, Mario, you have an amazing Mario story that I want to hear. <laughs> okay. So, when I was a little kid, my dad uh, got a Mario game. I don't remember which one it was. He got multiple games. And he thought, oh, sweet, I'm going to set this up in the living room and let my daughter play it. Right. I was very young, like four or five. And by that point, I'd played a bunch of other games, like I said, Prince of Persia, games like that. Oh, maybe I was older. Whatever. Um, but he had me play the first one, and then at some point between the first and the second one, he put in the next one. I don't remember which game it was, but from his perspective, he came out from the kitchen to check on me, and I was just gone. And the game was still going, and I was nowhere to be found. So mm-hmm. he went outside, and I was outside playing with my Barbies instead. And he said, Katie, why aren't you playing the game and I said she got kidnapped again I'm done (laughs) and that's kind of been my attitude about Mario ever since right like I'm so sick of Peach getting kidnapped over and over like what the hell is happening in the Mushroom Kingdom (laughs) that they don't have this on lockdown there's no security in the Mushroom Castle like at least Hyrule tried to get that shit on lockdown (laughs) right Um, Mushroom Kingdom's like just invite him to the next go-kart racing it's fine (laughs) it's fine yeah he'll just come to the golf tournament anyway we'll just ask him what's up man yeah like What's going on in the Koopa Kingdom? <laughs> what are they doing? Like, they're not masterminds, and why do you have a plumber saving the princess? I'm confused. But yeah, no, it's it's a sad, uh, sad thing when a monarch can just be kidnapped over and over again by the same giant lizard thing. Yeah, fire-breathing lizard thing. Yeah. he's a turtle. Tur- oh, he's technically Jesus. a turtle. He's a dragon turtle. Yeah, a drag. Okay. All right, Japan. That's fine. Sure. We're going to be saying all right, Japan later on in the episode. I just know it. (laughs) Uh, Japan's great. They have their moments. They have their moments. Uh, Okay, so Katie, what was your favorite game? What is your favorite game? Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. It's the best game in the world. I defy anyone. I will fight you. Right, no, and I totally agree with you. It's one of the greatest RPGs ever made. Probably the best Star Wars game ever made. It's the only good one, at least. Yeah, I mean, I liked Force Awakens, but that was, uh, you know, it was, that was Force for Awakens or the Force Unleashed? Force Unleashed, what did I say? Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. That's right, well, movie. I liked Force Awakens as well. Unless you're talking about Lego, Star Wars, Force Awakens. Oh, right, no. Good, yeah, it was also pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but no, Force Unleashed uh, was just a lot of fun. Eh. Yeah, well, the story was kind of dumb, but like the gameplay was pretty it fun. Wasn't just kind of dumb, and they didn't even—you didn't even get to do all the things they promised you could do. Yeah, that's true. That's it made me so angry. True. But I mean, you like held two lightsabers backwards behind your back. That's pretty dope. <gasps> that's pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only good thing about the Force Unleashed was finding out that there were cheat codes where you could be Mara Jade. Yeah. That was the only cool thing. Yeah, and Mara then beyond Jade. that, shut up. Take off that hat. You can't. You can't wear that if you don't know who Mara Jade is. Who's Mara Jade? <laughs> He's wearing a Star Wars hat for people who can't see, which is everyone. I'm ashamed. <laughs> Mara Jade in the expanded universe, which is no longer canon, um, was an assassin trained by Darth Sidious, or wait, 
Palpatine? I don't remember. Darth Forgive Sadie's me. Palpatine, kind of same person. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but she was trained to assassinate uh, Luke, and she ended up falling in love with him, and they got married, and all that other misogynistic bullshit. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, none of that is canon anymore. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. So but she was the only matters. cool one. Which, as a matter of fact, Knights of the Old Republic is no longer no, canon. I know. <laughs> so. But they keep talking about the Mandalorian Wars. There's still hope. There's still hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it hurts. Revan. It hurts. Revan's the only good one. <laughs> <laughs> I like Republic Commando. That was a good game. Yeah. That was a really good I game. I actually really never played game. Republic Commando. Really? How dare you? Yeah. It was a good uh, shooter. Yeah? It was, it was a Star Wars shooter. It was like... Was it a tactical shooter? Like it Brothers kinda, in Arms? Kinda. Kind of. So it was... It was like Call of Duty before there was Call of Duty. Hmm. But it was Star Wars. But it was hmm. Star Wars. Okay. And they so. actually like... I did a bunch of research on this. First of all, they did a lot of Foley for that game. That was the first time I ever realized about Foley. But they also, because you had your core crew of, uh, like, your four units, mm -hmm. they actually went to SWAT people in the SWAT school and actually got SWAT officers to show, like, how they would breach someplace or how they would actually, like, secure and take right, different right. things. So they did a really lot of trying to advertise the squad correlation between clone troopers. Interesting. Okay, okay, that's actually kind of nice. It, it, it then reminds me of an old game, uh, only, only for PC, uh, called SWAT 3 and 2. Uh, the first one was absolute garbage, but that the a second digital, and third one... Was that a digital-only game? Uh, no, no, it came on floppy disk. The second one came on floppy disk. Uh, <laughs> so old. So old. The was it a floppy floppy disk? No, no. Okay. The second was it a three quarter or a half floppy disk? <laughs> yeah, which one was it? It was. It's important. It was the hard floppy disk. I it don't was know. A hard I can't floppy. remember. Now, how do you be hard and floppy at the same time? Yeah, All right. <laughs> the third one came on uh, CD-ROM, mm -hmm. um, back before DVD-ROM, which I, which I find funny. But uh, no, it was it was a tactical squad. You got to be real careful with your shots, mm -hmm. things like that. There were hostages. You had to arrest people. It was a lot of fun. I also want to walk back a little bit. Uh -huh. If I had to say ultimate favorite game of all time, and I usually revert to Star Wars because Star Wars is always on my brain, I would actually right. say the Thief series. Thief series. Yeah. Thief is a great series. Dark Project in Middle Age. Yeah. That's where it was at. So you did not then like the first one, maybe? Those, well, the Dark Project was the first one. I'm sorry. You did not then like the newest one then? <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> you're, you're cute yeah? and you're funny. Yeah. Tell me how you feel about the newest Thief game, the one that Square Enix did a couple years back. Oh, God. How would I describe this? I actually legitimately cried about three hours into it yeah, because it made me so angry. Yeah. I went to the midnight release for it. I was so hyped. I fell into the hype train. This was my no man's sky. <laughs> Y'all, right. this was my no man's sky. Right. I bought into everything. I had merch. I um, stayed up really late to play it. I didn't go to work the next day. Like I called out and everything. Mm -hmm. And um, about three hours in, I realized these assholes don't know who the hell Garrett is or how this world is supposed to work. Yeah. And then the bullshit of play how you want was like, no, no, this is, you are a thief, <laughs> therefore you are super squishy. Don't get stabbed because if you get stabbed, you're gonna die. Yeah. Like there was no, there were no stakes. It wasn't you get caught and you're screwed. Mm -hmm. It was you get caught, but that's okay. Just stab your way out of it because you can kill them really easy. Yeah. The, it, it came out on... Um on the tail end of that whole play how you want the thing that Deus Ex yeah. sort of set up. 
Um, which it works for Deus Ex because you're an augmented superhuman who can they, either sneak yourself in or blast your way in. They basically took Deus Ex and they copy pasted it into Thief, <coughs> and that's not what Thief is. Like it had its moments. Right. I appreciated um, being able to explore more of the world. I, ex I appreciated being able to use some of those abilities that they included. Like the claw was really cool. Like yeah. people who begrudge that, it was like, well, I mean. We had a rope arrow before. That's basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. This is and just water faster. arrows. And water still? arrows, like right. you know, it, it's still all useful. Yeah. And like the asylum was a decent level. It could have been better, um, but it's still. I mean, I'm afraid of everything, so I'm not allowed to really say it scared me and have it mean anything. Yeah, everything yeah. scares me. Yeah, yeah. A thing that's, that's not scary can scare me. <laughs> um, but you know, they, it had its moments. But overall, Garrett was not Garrett. Mm -hmm. He was just a broody macho version not even a macho I guess but a broodier version of uh, Jensen or whatever Adam Jensen yeah no I, I totally agree it was a travesty um, and I had high hopes for it because I was a fan of the Thieves uh, series the second one over the first one because I didn't really like the first one very much yeah well, the first one was definitely like a, we're just experimenting right right um, but uh, I had liked everything that Square Enix had come up with uh, so far, rebooting those old yeah. titles like I mean, uh, Tomb Raider. Ex. Tomb Raider was really good. Yeah. The second one, not as good, but still really good. Uh, the second, Deus Ex, also not too bad. So I was totally on board with them doing Thief. I think the problem was is that they couldn't make up their minds on what Thief was going to be because first they said it was going to be a sequel to 3 <laughs> and then they said no it's going to be a reboot and then they said well it's not really either of those things it's in the same universe yeah. it's just there was another Garrett who was also a master thief who also happened to have an eye like this and they, they focused too much on the supernatural elements not enough on the technological elements which yeah. was such a huge part of the original Thief series like you had the struggles between the pagans and the Hammerites, mm -hmm. that it was like, it just, it didn't, it, it just didn't, didn't work. Didn't it was work. all about the supernatural, yeah. and that's where it failed, because it was like, that's not interesting. There's no struggle there. It's, there's a magical thing that you have to beat, but, like, we're going to be super vague about it until the last chapter. And it, yeah. it just, it, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. It was a disappointment. And today, later on, we are going to be talking a lot about disappointments in video mm. games. <laughs> Thank you, Heathcliff, for all you have done for me. You are the light in my life. And as for you, listeners, now I believe you understand the severity of the situation. As I have shown you with this episode, the non-player characters are nefarious beings. They only care about one thing, and that is the downfall of human existence. I have been to countless universes where the non-player characters' involvement in political battles have brought ruinous results. I, Evil Paul, alongside my other Pauls from other timelines, and of course, my eternal life partner, Heathcliff, have vowed to stand against the non-player characters and their potential tyranny. I hope now, listeners, you understand the importance of our mission. Finally, I would like to thank Silvertongue Audio for posting our episode. You can find this podcast as well as other fine podcasts like Jean-Luc and me on silvertongueaudio.org. 
Until next game, everyone. Until next game.